You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Hello, I'm Stephanie Ruff. And I'm Aviva Nabeski. We're the hosts of the Dressage Today podcast, where you can find us talking about anything and everything dressage related. Our conversations span the world of dressage from leading riders to local level dressage heroes. We're talking training advice, showing tips, and sharing stories to inspire your own dressage journey. So tune in, then tack up. Welcome to the Dressage Today podcast, sponsored by Spalding Labs. Today, we'll be talking to Australian Helen Fletcher with Equipoise Pilates for Equestrians. But I also want to kind of explain how this all came about. Helen, we are just premiering some videos that she did on Dressage Today on Demand, but this project was quite literally years in the making. So I just want to give a little background because people, you, you have to appreciate this. You can't make this stuff up. Um, okay. Back in, two, <laughs> yeah, okay. back in 2013, um, when Dressage Today was still in print, Helen did an article with them. And several years later, my predecessors, so the people that were at DT before me, started talking to her about doing a video series. And so I guess they kind of decided, yes, we would, you know, we want to do that and everything. But then that little thing called COVID came. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that put the kibosh on things for a little while. And then my predecessors left you know, hence kind of why I'm here now, but they, they <laughs> Funny left. how that worked. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so this project went way on the back burner, but I started, so I started here in 2021 and not too long after I started, Helen sent me an email asking if there was any um, prospect of maybe resurrecting this idea. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Yes. Let's, let's do that. Well, so COVID here lockdown was different than COVID in Australia lockdown um, because even when things were opening up here, she was still in lockdown. And I think at one point they started to open up, but then they closed it back down again. So she couldn't really go anywhere. She like couldn't go to a studio to do anything. She could, they were very, very, very restricted. So we just kind of sat and waited. We're like, okay, check back in in a few months. And this went back and forth for a while until the restrictions finally were lifted. And we we're like, yay, we can do this. Well, then we had a few bumps on my end to try to work through. We had to figure out the budget and you know what exactly we were going to include and how we were going to get this done because she's an Australian. And so we needed to find someone there that could do it and all that. So there was more back and forth, but finally, finally, <laughs> we, we got it done. And the first couple of videos have been released on um, DT On Demand and they are wonderful. I have tried them. They are fabulous. There's nothing like finding out where you're very weak. <laughs> oh, everywhere. Okay. <laughs> but um, they, are, they are great. So we are celebrating the fact that this project has finally, finally, finally gotten done. And um, we look for, I, I look forward to actually talking with her and, and finding more out about everything, but you know, just kind of celebrating that we can 
cross this off the list. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, this will be fun. Yeah, definitely. Today's Ask the L question comes from Jane, and she wants to know when it all goes wrong and you just can't change the fire-breathing dragon's mindset in real time, what is the correct way to stop your test? Well, before I answer that, I just want to very quickly from last month when I talked about Leo and his diagnosis with EDM, I just want to thank all of the people who have reached out to me um, and either shared their stories or have just given me their support. And I just want everyone who did that to know how much I appreciate each one of you individually. Yeah. um, But on a, I guess, lighter note. (laughs) (laughs) So Jane, it's an interesting question. Um, If your horse is being, what the judge perceives is dangerous, um, rearing and spinning. And, you know, you are clearly not in control of the situation The the judge can actually eliminate you f- after a period of time because they can do that. Right. Um, on the other hand, if you are trying to ride, um, and you feel that things are not going well. And let's talk a little bit about what that means. So there was a period of time when I was doing schooling shows and there was a particular person who was very, very competitive, who was really out for the ribbons. And if she had a bobble in a test, she would pull up and eliminate herself because really? she didn't want to get a bad score. And you can't do that. (laughs) You can't just decide this is going to be a really bad score. So thank you. I'm just going to excuse myself. Um, If you get into the ring and your horse is absolutely fighting with you, absolutely not on your aids, absolutely. I I mean, it it is clearly the two of you are at loggerheads um, and it is obvious you can stop, you can raise your hand and then stop and walk up to the judge and you can ask to be excused. Um, Please understand that the judge doesn't have to excuse you. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, You know, and I think this goes to that whole, just because you're having, you know, just because your horse broke in the medium trot into canner, you can't excuse yourself that your horse isn't adequately on the aids. You know, if, if in fact your horse is a fire breathing dragon, if in (laughs) fact it's clear that, you know, your, your warm up was left in the warm up, or you never even got it in the warm up, and it's just bad, 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 bad. And everybody watching it can tell that's one thing. If it's something that you are finessing your way through, um, Maybe not so much, but the appropriate thing to do is to raise your hand and stop and go to the judge and ask to be excused. And the judge may say, why, that was a lovely test. (laughs) And then, you know, be ready to explain that there is something going on. Um, But my recommendation is if... I think most of us know before we get in the ring that it's going to be bad. 
that our horses are not on the aids, that they're not listening, that there is, you know, a horse eating dragon um, at E and there's a panther waiting at B and, you know, there's a a wolf at K. um, And you know that maybe don't even go in the ring at all. Um, I know there's that magical thinking you have a terrible warm up, but somehow it's going to be better when you get in the show ring. <laughs> it, it doesn't work that way. You know, I am telling you right now from experience. No. Right. Um, on the other hand, there are people who have fabulous warm ups, you know, and then the horse has to leave all of their, you know, newfound friends in the warm up and go into this alien arena. And, you know, now it's scared and whatever. Right. So. You know, in schooling shows, there's a certain amount of latitude um, in a licensed competition. Um, you you do need the permission of the judge. You can't just stop and turn around and leave. Um, you do have to ask permission. Right. The judge does not have to give you permission. I've never heard of a judge who didn't. Um but that doesn't mean that they can't. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's my sort of, hopefully that's helpful for you, Jane. I, you know, again, it sort of depends on what's going on, but if you just want to be excused because you're having a bad ride and you don't want a bad score, <laughs> we frown on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I had, I had one of those very good cases of the uh, really Really nice warm up, and then came over to the fire breathing dragon by our, you know, yeah. over there hiding in the corner where, you know, Nadia just went, nah, I'm suddenly not so interested in doing this. But, yeah. you know, we got through it. Not our, not our best day, but yes. So that certainly does happen when they, like, exactly what you said, when they leave the comfort of the warm up arena where there are other horses and some security, and then they go off by themselves in a yeah. place they don't know. And yeah. again, you need to think about, you know, if, if you're in a licensed competition, that's one thing, but if you're at a schooling show, maybe this is, this is what you need to be doing. Exactly. You know, as right. bad as it is, maybe yeah. you just yep. need to somehow tactfully and with love share with your horse that they're not going to die. Right. Um, I mean, I have I have been judging and things have gone very wrong and, you know, people have asked to be excused. And my answer has always been. Absolutely no problem. Would you like to stay in the ring in school a little bit? You still have three minutes left. Or sure. You still have four minutes left just because you don't want to teach your horse that you have a meltdown in the ring, guess what? You get to leave. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, even if all you do is make a trot circle, um, that you, you leave with some kind of a success. Right. Um, in a licensed show, if you ask to be excused or if you're eliminated, there is no schooling in the ring. Right. Yeah. Um, I will say that I have had the unfortunate, um, experience. This is so embarrassing. I probably shouldn't share this, but I'm going to. Um, So I have actually left the arena three times over the course of my showing career. (laughs) And um, once, no, sorry, twice it was at first level. And once it was at second level, which makes it even more embarrassing (laughs) because it was an intro. And all three times were licensed competitions. And the first time it happened, I had no idea what one was supposed to do. And I just went back in the ring and I finished the test. And after the test, I went up to the judge and I apologized. And I thanked her for allowing me to finish the test and said, I understood that I had been eliminated. 
Um, but that I felt that it was important that my horse understand that just because they left didn't mean they were done. Yeah. Um, and the same thing happened the other two times as well. I left, I actually one time had to be led back into the ring. Um, I didn't finish the whole test. Obviously I went up to the judge and I said, may I ride a movement or two before you, you know, before I'm, I'm excused. And she said, sure. Um, so, you know, judges have a certain amount of leeway to do things. And the, the other thing to remember, Jane, is that the judge doesn't want you to have a bad ride. Right. Sure. And they don't want to give you bad scores and they don't want to see you get hurt and they don't want to see your horse have a complete and total meltdown. Right. Um, so if things are really that bad that you feel like you shouldn't still be in the ring, um, raise your hand and walk up to the judge and just, you know, give a little explanation, you know, whatever it is okay. and then go from there. Well, let's hope that doesn't happen. Yes. And that's hopefully it won't happen, but you know, everything <laughs> but does. Everything does. And it's good to know what to do in yeah. case it does. Yeah. So thank you as always for your knowledgeable input. Or a good guess. <laughs> And everyone out there, if you have some burning question that you would like to uh, have Aviva take a stab at, please reach out to us on social media. And when we come back, we will talk with Helen Fletcher. Have you found a fly control solution that actually works? Instead of going after the adult flies, this year try stopping them before they hatch with fly predators a preventative approach to fly control. Fly predators are the all-natural fly control solution used by top professionals because they just work. Fly predators kill flies before they hatch, meaning they'll never get a chance to bother you or your horses. It's not too late to get ahead of flies this summer. Call the team of experts at 877-KILL-FLY or 545 545- 5359 to get started. Helen Fletcher is the founder of Equipoise Pilates and Movement Education in Australia. She is a Pilates Alliance Australasia professional principal instructor with 30 years personal practice and 17 years teaching experience, ranging from post-acute rehabilitation to conditioning for sport. Herself a rider from childhood, Helen believes all riders should aim to be the athletic equivalent of their horses, whether they are casual hobby riders or elite professional competitors. She is passionate about healthy biomechanics of both horse and rider, mindful movement, movement education, and the role that the rider's body plays in the ability to influence and maintain and improve the well-being of the horse. Helen teaches both in-person and online classes and runs Balanced Rider, Balanced Horse Mounted Clinics throughout Australia. Thank you, Helen, for joining us today all the way from Australia on the Dressage Today podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie, and and also Aviva. (laughs) We're thrilled to have you here. Yeah. It's exciting. Well, (laughs) we want to know, just to start with, what came first for you, horses or Pilates? Definitely horses. Okay. I started riding when I was five 
and I'm now 60, so that was a long time ago. <laughs> I, yes, I shared a pony with my sister till I was 11, till I was nine. And at 11, I started um, classical dressage lessons with a, a well-known instructor in the Western District area in Victoria called Gwen Stead. And she'd been a student of Franz Moringa and had uh, gone with him to the 1956 Olympics as, as his groom, and she remained a student of his until he died. So I was very, very lucky to have such early, uh, really good lessons. Yeah. And they had a huge influence on me, actually, and throughout my life, in, she was very influential. Well, then how did you come to get into the Pilates? I was living in the UK in the late 80s with my mum, who had gone over there to live for a number of years. And she first told me about it in 1989, and it just tweaked my curiosity. So we ended up, she and I, buying a, a DVD or a video, as they were in those days, and we did a few <laughs> little bits and pieces. And then when I came back to Australia and moved to Melbourne, from I'd been living in the country, I wanted to find this Pilates. and. It took me a year to find it. I ended up approaching a, a ballet dancer basically in the street mm. and asking her where I could find it. <laughs> she, she sent me in the direction of the Australian ballet and I landed on my feet there meeting a, a fantastic teacher, Andrew Baxter, who sent me to his wife, Kim. And I, it was, I think the fact that they were both ex-principal dancers it was a really disciplined, quiet, deeply focused, purposeful environment. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me so much of my dressage training. <laughs> and I just fell in love with it right from the very beginning. And after my first class, I remember walking down the street and thinking, this would be perfect for horse riders. And I think that was 1991. So it did take me a while to get that <laughs> all together. <laughs> And I did my training in 2005. And around 2010, I think I registered my um, Equipoise Pilates business name. And interestingly, it was, the, it was my first, I found a Dressage Today magazine in our local <laughs> news agent. Yeah. And I'd been thinking about will I or won't I try and move into working with riders. And I opened the magazine and inside was a, Two articles, one written by Suzanne Von Dietz, who I'm mm -hmm. proud to call a friend now, and the other was Sally, an, an article about Sally Swift. So mm -hmm. I had a quick look. This is still in the shop, mind you. <laughs> read the articles and bought the magazine and thought, okay, I'm going to do this. And it, it took me some time, but I managed to move my work, at least 50% or more of my work, into into the equestrian area. What is it about Pilates and dressage that, that works together? There's so much, Aviva. Um, and if you look at, um, interestingly, if you look at the, the discipline of, of dressage and mm -hmm. the, the discipline of Pilates in the respect that it is a, a mind-body exercise, it gives riders the physical capacity to do what a coach is asking. Um, it's a multi-directional movement practice. 
it's fantastic to train dynamic stability in all planes, which is something as riders that we need. Mm -hmm. It can help us to develop the fine control to isolate different areas and then again to integrate different areas of the body. It helps us too to develop a deeper understanding of how our body functions and I think we need that to take our riding to the next level and to be to be better riders. It's terrific with our alignment and trying to find balance and symmetry in the body. It really just improves how we move. If we move well, we ride well. Um, it can build resilience and adaptability in the body and in the mind. And to me, I think what, as, as far as riders go, it's a, it's not a, a linear exercise. It covers, the, it's, it's something that we can be ever-changing and adapting. It's on the mat. It's on equipment. So it's a very versatile exercise mm-hmm. system. Does that answer And is your it question? something that old people like I can do? <laughs> 100%. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. I, I always I worry won't ask about starting. <laughs> I always worry about starting something new as old and as, as as crippled as I am. And I see, you know, the videos of all these incredibly limber, supple people, and I think, oh, I can never do that. Oh no, definitely not, Aviva. We have clients in the studio that are in their 80s, and I think the oldest um, person that I've taught was 89. Wow. And we also have children coming in as well. It's really, honestly, it's never too late to start any type of movement (laughs) practice. But the wonderful thing about Pilates is when you, if you're working uh, either on the mat or on the equipment, it can be... The equipment for a start can be used to either support or challenge you. So that gives people that are either compromised uh, from an injury perspective or older assistance. And likewise, on the mat, there are so many varying and different exercises that it can be uh, modified to suit anybody. So absolutely, you must give it a try. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. and you mentioned the um, equipment, and I've seen, you know, I've seen Pilates done with very large, frightening, some ways frightening pieces of equipment. <laughs> daunting, so, yeah. yeah, daunting. That's actually that's the that's the right word for it. Yeah, because I look at that and go, that I don't even know what to do with that. Um, so you mentioned a little bit, but how does that compare? You know, do you get the same benefits of working just on the mat as you could with the equipment? And how are they similar and how are they different? Joseph Pilates' original work was the mat work. So he designed his system in the late 1800s. And he originally started with just a series of mat work exercises. And then he actually developed all of the equipment himself. His mat work was then transferred onto the equipment. So it, it, the wonderful thing with the equipment and it, how it differentiates from a lot of other equipment is it, it uses spring resistance, um, which is quite unique to the method. And the equipment, as I said, it can both challenge and support you. Right. So the fabulous thing about it is there's hundreds of options of exercises both on and off the equipment. There's different pieces of equipment. And they can help you experience a similar exercise from a different perspective. Um, 
it also lends itself to a lot of post-acute rehabilitation. So we see a lot of clients that are coming, are re- recovering from injury, and the equipment is e- exceptionally good in that environment, mm-hmm. as well as just being able to challenge you more. So it's very, very versatile, and he designed so many different pieces that I think that's what I love about the about my work, the fact that it's never boring. There's <laughs> <laughs> so many different things. Yeah. And I'm a fully what we would call a comprehensively trained practitioner, so I've learned to teach with all of the equipment. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a preference? For, for the piece of equipment? Well, or equipment or the mat or anything or... I just love it all. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. I do love it all. And I think during lockdown, we had very long lockdowns here, yeah. as you're probably aware. And we had to pivot our businesses onto Zoom only. Um, and that reawakened my absolute love for the mat work and what you can mm. do on the mat with just some small apparatus, some, right. some weights and some bands and some elastic stretchy things that we call yeah. therabands. So, yes, now I'm continually inspired, to be honest, by, by the work itself and how versatile it is. Yeah. How do you think it is? It differs from yoga. It's it, the the whole mind body connection sounds mm. like it's very, and the focus sounds a lot like yoga minus the equipment. Yes, I think first and foremost probably the equipment. But my understanding of yoga is that it's quite an ancient system, um, and with techniques and practices to support physical, mental, and spiritual well-being. And I, I believe that the poses were originally practiced to strengthen the body to be able to sit for hours in meditation, <laughs> whereas the Pilates method was, you know, Joseph Pilates was a, a gymnast, a boxer, a bodybuilder. He combined Eastern disciplines, and there is a yoga influence in some of the work, particularly mm-hmm. in the mat work. He put together all these different influences and created his own exercise system, which he called Contrology at the time, but it's been changed to Pilates since his death. But yes, they're often put together because of, I think you're right, Aviva, that mindful movement connection. They're actually very complementary. And I know a lot of people that do both and really enjoy doing both disciplines. Mm. I've done some yoga myself, but I got to the point where I needed time-wise to decide which direction I mm-hmm. wanted to go in, and I, I chose Pilates, sure. I think, yeah, the, the versatility. And I was quite hooked right from the start. <laughs> <laughs> but yoga is fantastic. Do you do yoga yourself, Aviva? No, I do not. <laughs> I, I have dabbled a little bit in Pilates. I had... Um, a clinic here at the farm where a local Pilates instructor came and just worked with a bunch of us. And it was unfortunately very intimidating to me because I am so disabled in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And I I like what you're talking about the equipment because the Mm -hmm. idea of supportive, um, because I am very crooked from one side to the other, I have some paralysis in one leg. Um, I have some definite, um, mobility and, you know, suppleness issues. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, going into 
a studio and working one-on-one would probably be a much better fit for me. Yes, that sounds like it would be a terrific start to find yeah. yourself a, a practitioner that, that, is, that does have a studio. And preferably a writer would be really helpful too if you could find someone that fits that description. Yeah, but no, that, I've that's no, tough. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. I've no doubt that you could benefit 100%. Are there because contraindications? It, no. Are there, is look, there? I think the contraindications would have to be on a, on a sort of a case-by-case basis. So overall I would say no. Um, but every everyone is different. I imagine from what you've described to me, Aviva, there wouldn't be with yourself. And as I was saying, that Pilates is really great for any kind of rehabilitation or reconnection of of rebuilding of a body. Um, I believe it's suitable for everybody. <laughs> But not everybody may wish to practice it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it yeah. does lend itself to to pretty much anything and, and anyone. Fantastic for elite athletes. And then all the way up to, as I was saying, my my eighty nine year old client that I had originally. But at the moment I'm working with a ninety year old lady and she's absolutely <laughs> inspiring. Wow. Mm. <laughs> so when you when when you're talking talking to people who have and over who are already overscheduled and have packed days and responsibilities, whether they're writers or families or both, or mm. you know, uh, what can you suggest? Does as little as ten minutes at a time? You know, how how do you fit it in, or how do you recommend fitting it into someone's schedule who's already booked out? <laughs> that's that's a lot of us now, isn't it? We have yeah. we're so oh, busy. Yeah. <laughs> look, I think there's a few ways to look at this. I think that the short answer would be well actually I'll go with the long answer if you don't mind. I think <laughs> firstly, when we are so busy, we need to find something that we like so that we will actually do it. Yes. Because oh, any yeah. form of cross training and exercise is going to be helpful. It doesn't have to be the way I work. Right. Um, secondly, I think if you find yourself a system that, that you enjoy, be prepared that there might be some things that you don't like as part of that system, for example, in the Pilates method, and they're often the ones that you need to do the most. Yeah. So, yeah, funny. Like training horses. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> funny, funny how that works out, isn't it? Oh, no. <laughs> So stay positive if you start <laughs> something and you think, oh, this actually doesn't feel that great in some of these areas. And we do need to be realistic about the time that we have. And personally, I prefer to do something every day, particularly if I'm time poor. That works for me to have a regular commitment. Mm. And mm-hmm. 10 to 20 to 30 minutes a day will yield really good results if you have that continuity. Now that's not mm-hmm. suitable for everyone. Not everyone likes to do something every day. So I would say probably a minimum of three times a week. If you could do 20 to 30 minutes a day, if that's what you can find in your weekly schedule, you'll definitely see results. But the the small amount every day is probably uh, ideal. 
Yeah. Having said all that, when I first started Pilates, I did one session that was very different back then. We used to go in and have spend a couple of hours during the class and then wander out sometime before lunch. And I only did that once a week for the first four or five years, and I definitely saw benefits there too. But I think for time poor people, at this, if you're doing a smaller amount, you're better to do it as often as you can. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And then pick something that fits a couple of criterias. So if you if you decide, if you find something you like, you work out how much time you've got. As a rider, you ideally want a, a multi-directional movement practice, something that includes some functional strength. So functional is just meaning it applies to real life or real riding situations. It doesn't have to be completely functional, but you want some functional aspects in the workout. You want to look at an integrated approach that really deals with from the feet to the top of the head, including your breathing and your mind (laughs) is helpful. Um, Thoracic mobility, so anything that involves, again, that multidirectional movement to get the upper portion of the spine moving is important for we riders. Our shoulders, our shoulder stability, our pelvic stability and hip mobility, and in an ideal world, something that builds resilience and adaptability in the tissue, which moves us into um, something I'm very passionate about, which is fascia-focused training. Mm -hmm. In my third video that will be coming out um, whenever, There's a little bit of a... It, it should be out by the time this <laughs> podcast comes out. So I hope that didn't sound rude. I didn't mean to say no. like that. <laughs> um, there's a little bit of a peep into some fascia focus work there. So, yes, that's a long answer to, yeah. uh, to answer you there. But I think that because dressage is quite a linear sport, if you're choosing something... I would go for something that is multi-directional. That's what I do love about the Pilates method, actually. Yeah. And then is you there want a to... particular movement or something that you recommend everybody do? Is, I, I mean, I realize we're all very different, but are there one or two exercises that, if if you are time limited, would be best to start with? Yes, there are. One of them, there are a couple of things. I think this can be a little bit boring to tell people, so I have a couple of other things I can tell you as well. But if you can focus on your breath, do some breath work off the horse, it is a fantastic thing to be doing. It's really the key to true core stability and connection. Um, If we can do some train our breath off the horse, we can have a a much more functional breath pattern when we're riding. And it's a great mind-body connector. So I think breath work is super important for riders. But as far as an exercise goes, there's a couple of things that that are very, very helpful. One is your thoracic mobility. So anything that rotates your upper body, In my first video, I've got a side lying and arm open where I think I've added a one kilo weight and you're opening the arm and rotating and moving Mm -hmm. the chest. Now, you can do that in other forms as well, but so thoracic mobility, that upper chest mobility. 
A fantastic exercise that I give to all of my clients, and I think I've I know I've interspersed it through three of the videos, is something in the contemporary Pilates world we call a spine curl. You may know it as a bridge position. So where you're lying on your back and you lift the hips up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that is probably one of the best exercises you could do, particularly if you're time poor. Because of its, okay. it's a really versatile exercise. So in its simplest form, you lie on your back with your feet about hip bone width apart and you tilt your pelvis and peel your spine up. That mobilizes the spine. It can open up the front of the hips through something we mm-hmm. call reciprocal inhibition. So the muscles at the back of the body are working to lengthen and expand the front of the body. It's a stabilization exercise. If you do a different version where you don't do the peeling, you just lift the hips straight up and down, it's actually a very functional gluteal strengthening exercise. You can change the position of your legs, which mobilizes the hip joints if you practice it in internal and external rotation. And I do have those in one of our videos as well. Mm-hmm. And then if you challenge yourself to be able to do it to get to the top and lift and lower one leg, we're then adding in a focus on lateral stability, which is a very important part of our stability when we're riding. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a super exercise. And if you I did can, I can that see where that would day, really help with sitting trot. Yeah. Absolutely. There's also by adding a couple of props, we can activate something called the posterior slings mechanism, which is when we use different muscle change chains to stabilize sections of the the spine and pelvis for example so by adding some props again you can turn it into a very different exercise yeah going going back to the breath a little bit i know mm. that that is something that i have kind of focused on in my later years um Back when I was much younger and in my jumping days, Mm. I used to, I didn't realize it because I wasn't aware of it, but I would, when I did a jumper course, I would hold my breath because I would get done with the course and I would just be heaving air, you know, and I'm like, why am I so out of breath? Because I wouldn't do that schooling that didn't happen to me you know schooling or anything it was always in the competition and it finally occurred to me yes i am holding my breath the whole time when i'm on course <laughs> this is not necessarily a good thing i really need to learn how to breathe <laughs> while i ride you're not alone <laughs> stephanie it's no it is i've seen so many people like their mouths are just like clamped shut and you know you say something like, are you breathing no. And so if you make them talk that at least while they ride, that at least then you at least know they're breathing. It might not be really the proper breathing, but they're at least breathing. Absolutely. I think singing can be helpful too. Yes. Obviously not in a yeah. competition, but <laughs> singing yeah. if you're nervous in a, in a low level yep. sing. But it's but fascinating. Yeah. Um, I was watching a, a, I do a lot of further education and I was watching a video today of a, of a dissection and w- looking at the diaphragm and the connections to the psoas and a big muscle in the, deep in the body called the quadratus lumborum and the connections to our deepest abdominal muscle and the psoas, they're very inter- they interdigitate so they're connected. 
So if we're holding our breath, we're really mucking up our stability system. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like you, Stephanie, I think I don't think I breathed very much in my entire nineteenth year due to <laughs> due to school stresses and things like right, that. Right, right. And I had to. I, I was a very shallow breather at one stage, and I've yeah, I've done a lot of work on my breath, and that's part of my sort of not negotiable morning practice. I do ten minutes breath work, and I actually add in one of those spine curls we were talking about, and sometimes a little meditation as well, but. The more I learn about breath, the more, um, you know, something we do without thinking, something unconscious, right. how, how important it is to, we talk a lot about core stabilization and it is fundamental mm-hmm. to core stability. In fact, if we can just focus on a good breath pattern when we're riding, we shouldn't need and it, it's not necessary to actually consciously engage our abdominals, yeah. you know, yeah. and be holding them all the time. I think, I think people get so into like hold, holding and they hold everything, including, yes. including their breath. And it's like, if yeah. I just keep everything still, it will work, which is absolutely not the case. That's right. <laughs> That's right. The rigidity causes right. uh, a lack of stability. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's just kind of I, our brain wants to say, no, if I'm perfectly still, it will be it would all be fine when <laughs> yes. in fact it isn't. It would so. Right here. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like it doesn't work that way. That's no. a that's a big lesson for people to under to kind of make that breakthrough and understand. It is well, it's so I mean, interesting because every time one of you says the word breath. I, I realize I pay attention to my breathing and it changes. I mean, just on this, on right. this recording, it's changed. So I can imagine conscious breath. And I, 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 um, I broke my ribs the last time I got hurt. Mm. And so breathing was a real issue. <laughs> yeah. And I concentrated on it for a long time and I still pay attention. But I, I, I do it when I'm walking uphill. Mm-hmm. I don't do it on the horse. I need to start paying attention yeah. on the horse as well. Yeah, The horses really connect into the breath very quickly. In fact, mm-hmm. I was one of my, my last clinic a couple of weeks ago, I had a horse that was very young and highly stressed. And I was encouraging his rider to focus on her breath. And she was having difficulty. She was quite nervous herself. I started to do my breath work and I was profoundly shocked actually by how quickly he started to respond to my breath. So when you think about that, they do, they, you know, they're really aware of our breathing. Yeah. And I, it's often one of the first things I do when I hop on the horse. I do a number of exercises to get my body in tune, but I, I focus on my breath primarily. It's fascinating. Yeah. I'm going to do that today when I get on. Well, there you it's go. It's really worth a try, yeah. Viva. And yeah. then yeah. having a play with your breath off the horse, I always encourage my clients because I was a shallow breather and I know what it feels like to to start to almost hyperventilate, I encourage people to start to do breath work at home where they feel warm, comfortable and mm-hmm. secure. Yeah. And to put the focus on the exhalation rather than the inhalation. If you exhale, you're actually stretching the diaphragm and the inhale you get will be whatever you get as a almost as a recoil. 
So you don't get that start to take those big gulping breaths in and and feel dizzy. So have have a play with that, just an easeful inhalation and begin to lengthen your exhale. And then in time, your inhale will gradually lengthen itself. Um, And you shouldn't start to feel like you're beginning to gasp (laughs) and see stars. Well, we'll, we we will, um, in our next podcast, we'll we'll check back in with Aviva and see how her breathing is doing. (laughs) Well, it's so interesting because I've always concentrated on the inhale. I've never concentrated on the exhale. So while we're, while you guys are talking, I'm trying it. And, and, and it is, it is much more relaxing to concentrate on the exhale. exhale. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree, Aviva. Yeah. The inhale makes me feel, I, I start to panic because I'm not taking enough air in, but the exhale. So, yeah, I'm going to play with that. Okay. Good deal. Excellent. Well, I will be listening. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so we we will need to update. And then, <laughs> okay. and I know where okay. you are. So. Yeah, <laughs> yes, you do. I know where you live. <laughs> So our last question for you is one we've been asking everyone so that Aviva and I can put together a book list. And do you have a favorite horse book or regular or not regular book or non-horse book, fiction or non-fiction that you would like to share with us? Yes, this was hard because I'm a come from a very book family. I yeah. will big readers and we had a fantastic library of books when I was growing up. And I've got quite a good library at home, but I've had a lot of trouble deciding between two books. One is Suzanne Von Dietz's Balance in Movement, which is mm-hmm. a fantastic book. And it is a book I refer to, go back to all the time. And I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Beth Bomer. Is that the correct spelling? Bomer? Two- yeah, B- Beth Bomer. Bomer. Beth Bomer. Yeah. Okay. When Two Spines Align, Dress yeah. Dynamics. Um, and I've chosen both of them because of their connection. I think they're both brilliant resources for writers to develop a clearer and deeper understanding of the importance of a balanced seat and how to improve the connection between themselves and their horses. They're, they're both quite body focused and I just love absolutely both of them. But I probably, with Beth's book, she talks at one point in there about power lines and my first instructor, Gwen Stead, would talk about what she would refer to as stretch up and stretch down, which was that oppositional positive tension. And that's something I've grown up with and something I teach myself. So uh, I love that section in the book about that, which is what we now call tensegrity, oppositional, expansive energy. Yes, so I love I love that book, and both authors have a classical training focus too, which is yeah. something I think yep. is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've given you two there. Sorry about yeah. that. Yeah. No, it's good. Two, like, two like is more. good. <laughs> yeah. I'm fami- I am familiar with both of them, but have not read either of them. And um, Suzanne von Dietz was for a long time in Dressage Today. The column. The a columnist, but she yes. has brought her column over to Practical Horsemen. So we still work with her um, in her evaluations and stuff. So and that's it's always really nice to get her perspective. She's and, incredible, uh, isn't she? I've 
was yeah. so lucky in lockdown to work with her online. Yeah. And learned so much. I just think she's fantastic. Yeah. So that's great. It's wonderful to bring all these connections, all these connections together from all over the world because she's in Israel. So. Yes. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I think um, I know in Australia because we're, I mean, it's part of the strength of this country is that it is, it's quite distant from a lot of the other parts yeah. of the world. Yeah. But I think Australians are really good at looking outside. And I know mm. I'm always looking outward uh, to, to what I can learn and where I can find inspiration and influence. Right. And I think that's something that uh, that we probably all do because we are quite an isolated country. So it's terrific to have these connections. Yeah, it is definitely. Mm-hmm. And um, and we are so glad, glad that we finally were able to make our connection and bring everything um, full circle from yes. when you when you wrote for dressage today all the way to getting finally getting these videos completed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, finally, all yeah. of the delays. So no, it's been a privilege. We, yeah, well, we appreciate we appreciate you doing those for us and for joining us today on the podcast. And um, we will practice our breathing and we'll check in with you. Yes, terrific. <laughs> I'd love that. And. And thank you for staying up so late to talk to us. We should mention <laughs> we should. That, that poor Helen, you know, she's 14 hours ahead of us. So you can imagine what time it is so, for her right now. It's, <laughs> it, it's nighttime. It's morning for us. It's nighttime for her. But yes, no, we yeah. do appreciate you being so accommodating and, and uh, staying up late and adjusting your schedule so that we could get this done. That's absolutely fine. I'm I'm quite excited now, so I'll probably have trouble sleeping. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, concentrate on your yeah. everything. <laughs> no, it's been a pleasure. I've I've really enjoyed it, and Great. thank thank you so much for having me. I think when I look back to when I first discovered Dressage Today magazine, I I have to pinch myself every now and then to think that. I've I've written two articles for you and now I'm on the on-demand platform. Yeah. So I thank you. And I recently messaged um, Patty Lasco to thank her for the opportunity as well. Right. So greatly appreciate oh, well, great. it. Oh, well, it is mm. absolutely our pleasure. Lovely to chat to you. Thanks for listening to the Dressage Today podcast. If you've missed any episodes or to subscribe, Go to Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Learn more and read in-depth training articles at dressagetoday.com, or you can visit our subscription video site, ondemand.dressagetoday.com. Be sure to give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Happy riding, and we'll see you at X. The Dressage Today podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of Equine Network, LLC.